You're listening to the sermon podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Peace, grace, and mercy are yours from the triune God. Pastor Reagan asked me about a month and a half ago to preach May 20th. That's today. He did not ask me to preach Pentecost. That is also today. Which is, in my very square opinion, sort of interesting. Because my whole life, just up until maybe two years ago, I had never given the Holy Spirit much of a thought. I grew up learning about God I eventually heard I needed Jesus in my heart, but never did we talk about the Holy Spirit. My immediate family was skeptical of anything illogical. Signs, speaking in tongues, prophecy, dancing, clapping hands. We didn't do that. We were Minnesotan Methodists. I still remember the one week of the year when some of the women in our small rural church would go to the women's conference and then come back to church the next Sunday. Inevitably, someone would raise their hands a little when they sang or clap their hands with the music. While some joined in, my family, we would exchange glances about it with our hands firmly in our pockets, and I would feel uncomfortable. I only say it's interesting being asked because in getting to know some of you, it seems like there is at least some, if not many people here, that grew up in more charismatic churches. But the Holy Spirit is new to me. I always thought the Holy Spirit was sort of like Jesus' little brother uh, who could fill in for Jesus in a bind if needed. Like the Holy Spirit just sort of was supposed to relay my prayer to Jesus and then Jesus or God would do something about it if it were necessary. But our readings today describe something different. Jesus says that it's to our advantage that Jesus go away. The guy who feeds thousands and heals people without trying. The guy who brings people back from the dead. The guy who doesn't stay dead himself. It would be better for the disciples if he weren't there. Because if I do not go away, says Jesus, the advocate will not come to you. That's a wild thing to say, Jesus. How is that? What could, be, what could be more valuable than someone who can do all those things? Or more importantly to me, why is it not to our advantage to keep both the Holy Spirit and Jesus? It seems like then we could really get something done. Like maybe the authorities would listen to Jesus, the man who performs miracles, if he had a pet dove flying around his head with fire coming out of his mouth. It would certainly get my attention. Later in life, with my spirituality still lodged in my pant pockets, safely protected from the things I couldn't fix through hard work, I got pretty into social gospel stuff. I wanted the kingdom here now. I wanted the Sermon on the Mount realized. I wanted the prisoners free and the death sentence to end, which, of course, who doesn't? Those are good things. We should want those things. We should even work together to make them happen more. 
But after trying and praying and working to make things happen through every effort of my own and still seeing pain and suffering prevail in the world and seemingly becoming worse, I was ready to give up on church. When my calculated faith failed me, the one that said the world is not going to change unless I work at it, I lost sight of God. The people I was helping still suffered. Little changed. There were inconsistencies. If I couldn't say A, if I do A, then B will happen, then why bother at all? I think the only thing that kept me in the faith during this time was a little Episcopal church in northwest Iowa. It introduced me to a liturgy deep enough to both recognize the pain and hope in the world. We claimed the mysteries rather than the certainties of faith. Even after seeing my if A then B formula fail over and over again, it was still right to give our thanks and praise. It is what keeps me still. It is this hope that Paul talks about in the epistle today. It is the incalculable things that we hope for, the unexplained things, the tongues of fire things, the deep connection things. We cannot explain it. It is this mystery of faith and not the certainties of faith that bring us hope. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. These words somehow still move us in the gut and pulls us into something deeper. We live in the mysterious hope of the Spirit. We abide in it. Jesus says that we have this advocate, which apparently can't come unless Jesus leaves, and who will be able to do stuff that Jesus just simply can't do. He says, when I leave, I will send the Spirit of truth. But Jesus was the truth, I thought. The way, the truth, and the light. Why would we want the spirit of when we can have the real and actual thing? The actual truth. The flesh and blood Jesus. I have been raking my brain on this, and it doesn't make sense. But maybe that's the point. Maybe no one really understood Jesus because he was flesh and blood. Maybe they were working in an if-A-then-B economy for the world to be fixed as they understood it, with a king, a fighter to overturn the emperor, a victory, revenge for years of oppression, a fix. I'm wondering if Jesus leaves us the spirit of truth, the essence of Jesus, the word of love, to remind us that this truth was here when the world was created and that the darkness shall never overcome it, even when it feels certain that it will. If Jesus stayed rather than ascended, maybe the disciples would have continued operating in the if-A-then-B expectations of worldly justice instead of gospel-centered way of of being which has turned the whole world upside down, full of unreasonable justice, mercy, and forgiveness. The advocate, the spirit of truth, the gospel will set the world free. And it won't make sense. We will want revenge. We will want justice. We want those who wronged us to be exposed for their lies and deceit. And they will. But maybe not to our worldly expectations. 
the if guilty, then punishment expectations. The world and its pressures and the resulting beliefs of our shortcomings, they will be shown empty. The ruler of this world has been condemned. Because when this advocate comes, she will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. The way things operate, the way they seem, the way that we have heard it and understand it and reason for them to be true, that's out now. It's a new reality for us. One where the powerful are proven powerless against the meek, the voiceless are shown to be the loudest and most important, the young, the wisest, the old as innovators. I have felt it. The spirit in the world against the, the way the world works or how we understand it to work. It is advocating for a new way. It is the advocate. The worldly expectations of if A, then B leave us empty and consistently demand more effort for no return or satisfaction. We put in the effort at work only to get laid off or miss a well-deserved promotion. We go the extra mile in our relationships, but we still are not satisfied by those we love who don't reciprocate our efforts and still don't understand us how we wish they would. Helpless victims are still silenced and abused by people in power. Our diet and exercise don't yield the results the internet promised. There are still mass shootings even when we organize for change. The medication doesn't work. The most undeserving still suffer from the worst illnesses. And the lies keep coming saying it's hopeless and we remain empty despite our best efforts. But this is advocate, she proves it all wrong. The triune God is moving in the spirit to flip the script even in our deepest pain. There is something stirring that will expose all of this as lies from the devil. And it will free us totally. I see it stirring in small congregations that know how to pray. In liturgy here at house where we gather and share in life together. I see it in Me Too movements, in Black Lives Matter marches, in little ones that dance to old church hymns. It is in the voice of our young people. It is the person wishing me peace and blessings, holding a sign on the corner. It is gospel. It is hope for what we cannot see. Jesus said, I have said these things to you to keep your faith from being shaken, which might be more accurately read, lest you be scandalized. Jesus says, lest you be scandalized, because he knew we would be. That the world would not crank out the if A, then B products we want. Our hour had not yet come. We would suffer scandal. It would not be fair. But we still hope. There is something in the dead bones that we cannot see. There is some interwoven pulse that will be the new reality. It will be illogical. It will be life abundance. It will be to our advantage. Amen. Amen.